you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8, you will recall, I hope, that in the previous chapter, Daniel shares a vision that had to do with the coming kingdoms. And Daniel was troubled by what he saw. He says that in chapter 7. Verse 15, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. Verse 28 of chapter 7, this is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Well, now he's, he's going to be shown more. Chapter 8, this is God's word. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa in the province of Elam. In the vision, I was beside the Ulai Canal. I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. I watched the ram as he charged toward the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against him, and none could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes came up from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. He came toward the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at him in great rage. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground and trampled on him, and none could rescue the ram from his power. The goat became very great, but at the height of his power, his large horn was broken off. And in its place, four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven. Out of them came another horn, which started small but grew in power to the south and to the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens, and it threw some of the starry host down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the prince of the host. It took away the daily sacrifice from him, and the place of his sanctuary was brought low. 
because of rebellion, the host of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did. And truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary, and the host that will be trampled underfoot. He said to me, It will take 2,300 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man. And I heard a man's voice from the Uli calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and raised me to my feet. He said, I am going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. Because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece. And the large horn between his eyes is the first king. The four horns that replaced the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation, but will not have the same power. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a stern-faced king... A master of intrigue will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the mighty men and the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper, and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, He will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet, he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The vision of the evenings and mornings that have been given to you is true, but seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Thank you for listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. Did you know that along with being an excellent Bible teacher, Pastor Wood has authored over a dozen books? We'd like to encourage you to visit WVR.org for resources and books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife, Susan. You can also listen to or download teachings by Pastor Wood 24-7. 
please visit wvr.org today. That's wvr.org. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is So Daniel has a vision, shares that in chapter 7. And um, I'm sure, you know, you remember everything about that and understand exactly what all the details mean. I'm being sarcastic. What was the conclusion that we said about that? God has already determined the future, and so there's no need for you and I to be afraid. God's in control, okay? And we talked about the fact that there was a short-term, this is in chapter 7, a short-term fulfillment and a long-term fulfillment. There are still things to come in world history that are prophesied in the book of Daniel. But having had that vision, which he records in chapter 7, and being troubled by it, now he tells us about another vision he had. So I'd already had that vision, then I had another vision. This one sounds like he was even more disturbed by it. And not just when he didn't understand what it meant, but after Gabriel was assigned to give him an explanation. Now, some of the things in chapters 7 and 8 are such a precise description of what would follow historically in world history that has already taken place, that a lot of so-called scholars don't believe this could possibly have been written while the Jews were in exile in Babylon. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't happen. I mean, how, how, how would somebody know what's going to happen? Okay? Well, the answer to that question is because God told them. You see, if scholarship, so-called, depends on leaving God out of the equation, that's not scholarship. That's foolishness. God is the determining factor in everything. Not in lots of stuff. You know, well, sometimes God gets involved. God's always involved. Where is God? Everywhere. How much power does God have? All. Well, how much information does God have? All. God knows everything. He has all power. And he is everywhere. In him we live and move and have our being. Apart from him, I can do nothing. And so you and I need to realize that the way Daniel got this insight about what would happen with Alexander the Great and his kingdom, when it talks about that goat uh, traveling across the earth without even having to put its feet down, he's talking about the speed with which Alexander conquered the whole area around him. This phenomenal spread of his kingdom, and then in his early 20s, he's dead. And it describes what would follow. 
some other folks who would rule, but none of them would have the power of Alexander. And then, and then Rome. That had already been described in chapter 7, now it comes again in chapter 8. And there is going to be a Roman ruler who is going to devastate the worship that the Jews had been able to return to when they rebuilt the temple. And he's going to set up an abomination. It's going to be horrible. It's terrible. But folks, that is all a foreshadowing of what will happen at the end of history. There will be an Antichrist. Right now, there are many Antichrists, the Bible tells us. The spirit of Antichrist is already in the world, and it was 2,000 years ago. But there will be one world ruler who's going to get into power, not by his own power. He will be a supernatural enemy. And he will, for a time, be given success. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to trust God and obey him. Well, do you think we're going to be here for that? I hope not. My parents are not going to be here for that. They're in heaven. Yeah, but I want to know. I mean, are we going to, I've heard that you know, we're going to kind of suddenly disappear. Yes, we, we are. And, and that that'll be before the, you know, the Antichrist sets up his, his uh, one world program. I hope so. Uh, that's not enough for me. Do you know it? No, I don't. No. I can make an excellent argument for it. I can make an excellent argument for the fact that we're going to have to be here for the first half of the tribulation. I can even make an argument for the fact that we're going to have to be here for the whole tribulation. It depends on which order you put the prophecies in and which one you decide is the key by which you will interpret the others. <sighs> What do we do? Trust God and obey him. Daniel has this whole thing explained to him. And what is the last line of, verse, of chapter 8? The last line. It was beyond understanding. <laughs> Gabriel just explained it. And Daniel says, I st I, I'm sorry, I still don't get it. But what he did get was enough to make him feel sick. I heard a guy years ago, he was at that time the pastor of the fastest growing church in America. He told us, if you want to grow a church, you've got to understand that people are church shopping on Sunday morning." That's when they visit. That's when they try to make up their mind as to whether or not your church is going to be able to meet their needs. It is absolutely vital that you never preach anything controversial on Sunday morning. That's what he said. Never preach anything controversial on Sunday morning. Because you can turn people off. You need to keep all your messages uplifting. So that when they come to your church, they will feel better when they leave. 
nothing about keep it biblical, nothing about call people to repentance. That's all a turnoff. That's not good marketing. I mean, just, just encourage people. Tell them some jokes. Build their spirits. Make them feel good about themselves. They'll be back. And then, after they've been coming and they get used to it and they begin to get to know you, you can invite them to be in a small group or to come some other time of the week and then you can give them the more challenging things. But even then, you want to do it in a way that's not going to be a turnoff. Okay? You don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to turn people off. It turns out, according to Scripture, Unsaved people are already in the off position. You say, well, we don't want to turn them off. They're off. They're dead. Like we were. So we don't hate them. But if you've ever seen an EMT working on a person who has no pulse, they carefully unbutton the shirt and, and then they begin to massage the chest, hoping to get the heart started again. Is that, is that right? Is that what you all want to say? No? No? Really? What do they do? They cut that shirt off and they start pounding on that chest and somebody over here is working the paddles, getting them ready. Zap! Well, that could be jarring. Yeah, that's the intent. And if you and I are living in a world surrounded by people who are on their way to hell, and we act like, uh, hey, I, I don't want to make you uncomfortable or anything, but, you know, just in case you're interested, uh, I, can, I can tell you um, how to uh, reduce the risk uh, that you're going to spend eternity in torment. Would that be a credible witness? Okay? I love the illusionist, you know, Penn and Teller. I think Penn is the big guy. Penn's the big guy. He did a video a while back talking about a guy who came up after one of his presentations and tried to share the gospel with him. And he says, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in this stuff. But he said, that man did the only thing that makes sense if you believe that Christianity is true. He said, how cruel would you have to be to believe that people who don't share your faith are going to hell and not tell them? He said, I appreciate that guy coming and talking to me. He said, I'm still not a believer. But he said, but that guy was doing the only thing that makes sense for somebody who believes. Are we doing that? Or are we still hoping to fit in, pass, keep everybody comfortable? What does this have to do with Daniel? It has everything to do with Daniel. God showed him a vision of the future that was so upsetting to him 
that he didn't go out feeling better. Oh, thank you, Gabriel. I got it now. That's good. Three pointers from that. No. Listen. Verse 27. I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. So what's the takeaway? Even when God tells us more than we may want to know, his word is still true. Do you ever find anything in the Bible and you say, oh, I don't much like that? I do. I find things in there and I, I'm like, I guess I need to change. Well, it's still true, even if I don't like it. We've got churches and pastors and supposedly Christian families that have decided that God doesn't really mean what he says in his word because that would, that would not fit well in today's world. Okay? It's just, you know, that's going to be very upsetting. It's going to bring, bring division in my family. I heard a study group from a Baptist church tell the full deacon body, we have studied the question of having elders and deacons as opposed to just deacons. And we have concluded, A, it is biblical to have elders and deacons. That's the biblical pattern. A plurality of elders. Secondly, it is strongly recognized throughout Baptist history. It's not like something that's, you know, well, it may be biblical, but it's not Baptist. Actually, a lot of Baptists seek to be biblical. Not all, but many. We've also concluded that churches that are doing this, having elders and deacons, actually do very well. And a classic example is that church over there. But we are recommending that we not do that at our church. And the reason is we feel it would be divisive. There would be people upset by it. And our job is to preserve the unity of the church. There are a whole lot of folks who don't want to do anything that's going to upset anybody. Okay? Yeah, I know that's right, but we're not going to go there. Well, I know that's what the Bible says, but I, I just I, I, I can't accept that. I think times have changed. The country is going to hell in a handbasket. That's not true. The country is going to hell on a rocket ship. Okay? Things are getting so bad, so fast, and the responsibility of those of us who know the Lord is not to stop the rocket. Our responsibility is to say, hey, you don't have to go there. Repent. Repent. Turn. Now, there's an opportunity. There's hope. Daniel was appalled by the vision. And he still didn't understand it all, so I don't feel badly that I don't understand it all. But I know this, God's word is true. 
But sometimes, when you're studying what God says, it doesn't make you feel cheery. But that's not a reason not to believe it. God's Word is true. All of it. And you and I had better study it and learn it and obey it. Because God doesn't change. And His Word does not change. And like it or not, it's true. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.